Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You have found me, my little corner of the internet. This is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John, and today is Tuesday, March 16th. I've got an awesome friend on the show with me today. My friend Ginger Hubbard is back, and we're going to encourage you, if you've ever struggled with a teen that was rebellious, if you just thought, man, I got the strong-willed kid on my hands and I just don't know what to do, or you're feeling defeated, this show is for you. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. Lots of things coming up on my calendar. So before I jump in with Ginger, I wanted to let you guys know that this weekend I'm a little, I'm doing a little double dipping. All right. So I'll be in Nashville for Teach Them Diligently. You guys, I hope you'll come out. It's been a long time since I've seen most of you. And that event is happening in Nashville, Tennessee. Teach Them Diligently. You can find more information at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. And then on Friday night, I'm going to be driving up to see my friend Ken Ham at the Answers for Women conference at the ARC Encounter. And so I'll be speaking there on Saturday. So Thursday and Friday, you'll find me at Teach Them Diligently in Nashville. And then on the 20th, you're going to find me in Hebron, Kentucky at the Answers Center at the ARC Encounter for Answers for Women. You can find out more about those events at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. Also, I'm not going to be here because I'll be in Nashville, but 7 p.m. at Firmly Planted Family, we are having a really good friend of mine, Seth Gruber, is coming to talk to you about how to become a pro-life apologist. Seth has spent his whole life working in the pro-life movement. He is a young Young adult now in his late 20s, has a couple of kids of his own. He has a powerful message for you to kind of get you off the bench and onto the battlefield in the defense of the unborn. And so if you're interested in that, you can go to Firmly Planted Family, find out what's happening there, call them up on the phone. They'd be happy to tell you. But that event starts at 7 p.m. at the Firmly Planted Homeschool Resource Center this Thursday night. All without further ado, I am going to jump right into the program for today. I love Ginger Hubbard. This woman has got her head screwed on straight when it comes to talking about parenting. And I have been encouraged. I first found out about her from a book she wrote called Don't Make Me Count to Three. And I remember just telling my husband, I have got to get this woman on my show. She just has a very common sense and biblically based approach to parenting. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like and and how you can be successful in parenting teens that you're struggling with parenting with rebellious teens. Ginger Hubbard, my friend, welcome back to the show. Hello, Heidi. It's so good to be back on with you. Always a pleasure to get to be on with you. It is. Well, I hope I get to see you out on the road at some point. Are you out there this year? I'll be in Nashville. I'll see you in two days. <laughs> We're going to see. This is so exciting. So all of my speaker friends are like, woot, woot, reunion right? Uh Yeah. We kind of took it for granted, but now I think we're all like, all right, we're never letting that happen again. (laughs) I know. I miss my traveling family for sure. So I'm looking forward to seeing you and and a lot of others. It's going to be a great weekend. All right. So let's jump right into this. You're talking today about parenting rebellious teenagers, not a very fun topic. A lot of people sort of avoid it. Maybe we're not talking about it at all, but you really have a different look at this topic. You're excited for people to hear your story because you were that rebellious teenager and the redemption of Christ is part of your story. So give us an introduction into what that looks like. I can't 
picture you as a rebellious. <laughs> I'm having a hard time, Ginger, picturing you, you the me. rebellious teenager. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Heidi, but if only you knew me then, because it really is a story of the redemption of Christ. But I think what's so amazing about my story is that it can be anyone's story, no matter what their circumstances are, because Jesus offers his redemption and his mercy and his grace to anyone and everyone who puts their hope and trust in him. That's right. Because you and I have talked about this like over the years, but you've never said to me very much about your growing up, but you didn't grow up in a Christian home, right? Yep, that's right. I didn't. My parents didn't come to know Jesus until they were in their early 40s. And so I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I did grow up in a very loving home. And I had a daddy who wanted to give me everything. So he pretty much gave me everything. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, Heidi, by the time I was 17 years old, I was on my third car, which was a fire red 300ZX with T-tops and an airbrush tag on the front that read spoiled rotten. Shut so there's, up. So you're the your girl indicator. that I didn't like in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I was the girl a lot of girls didn't like in high school. <laughs> How old were you when your parents became Christians? They, I was 18 when they came to know the Lord. And, but you know, even before that, my parents were very moral people who really lived a more conservative life than a lot of the church going people we knew. So like as, for example, as a family, we just viewed Sundays as a day to sleep in and unwind and just do whatever we wanted to do rather than a day that should be set apart for worshiping God. Uh, we pretty much viewed people who chose to attend church on Sundays I would say at worst as hypocrites and maybe at best as people who just needed to feel better about themselves. Now, for me personally, I, I did believe in God because God creating everything that that just made more sense to me than evolution. And, you know, and I thought all the explanations I grew up in public school and I thought all of those explanations uh, that were being crammed down my throat were pretty far fetched, like the Big Bang Theory and saying it we is all, pretty oh, far fetched. It is. You know, I think it takes a lot of faith to be an atheist and it I does. don't have that kind of faith. So just too many holes and all that mess for me. So I did believe in God. But as far as heaven and hell and, and where people would spend eternity, I just figured that if I lived a reasonably good life and was good to people and didn't do anything, you know, really bad, that I would go to heaven. And that was pretty much my parents' philosophy as well until someone explained to them that it doesn't matter how good of a person you are because the only way to heaven is through Jesus. And so when someone finally explained that to my folks, um, they ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And of course, as soon as they begin to know him, they begin to love him because anyone that knows him is going to love him. And they wanted nothing more than for me to know and love him too. But I didn't want to change the way that I was living. And I sure as heck didn't want to spend my Sundays going to church. And so that is, that's why <laughs> right, you much, had that awesome car to drive around on Sunday. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's what I did. Drive around in my awesome car and do things I shouldn't have been doing. But uh, that's pretty much where my rebellion began is when my parents became Christians when I was 18. So here are your parents, brand new baby Christians, and they've got a daughter who's really entering into a season of rebellion. And I'm trying to figure out uh, as a mom myself, right? And I've had seasons of my kids, you know, uh, I would not call my kids rebellious, but I've had seasons where I'm like, what am I going to do about, about this? But your parents had just experienced a dramatic transformation, right? And now for the first time, they're going, this child's in trouble. Like her soul is in trouble. And uh, where did that land you? 
Yeah, that's right. But see, I didn't have the Holy Spirit like they did. So I didn't understand that at the level that they understood it because I didn't grow up in church. I mean, I knew nothing, Heidi, about God or the Bible. I mean, I knew, I didn't even know the simple stories that most people know that, you know, David killing Goliath, Jonah swallowed by a well. I, I knew nothing. Noah built the ark. I mean, those things were completely foreign to me. And I just pretty much thought that religion was religion. And I, I had no idea that there was a difference in being a religious person and actually having a personal relationship with Jesus. And I just thought my parents had completely gone off their rock. I bet. Yeah. I did. And, and I, I mean, I literally thought that they had gotten mixed up in some sort of a cult. And it, it's funny because I can actually remember praying to a God I did not know to please get my parents out of this cult. I can remember praying that. And oh, the irony. Upset. Yeah, I know. And and thankfully, of course, he did not answer my prayers the way I wanted him to, because I began to see these drastic changes in my parents, most of them being changes that I did not like. You see, as a teenager with a pocket full of money and plenty of freedom, I didn't appreciate the new family rules, like having to attend church and Sunday school every Sunday. And I didn't like that all of a sudden I had to answer all of my parents' ridiculous questions. Heidi, you know, those ridiculous questions parents ask teenagers like, where are you going or who are you going with? (laughs) (laughs) Whose car are you getting into? That's right. So I just, I completely rebelled against their authority. So this is a massive paradigm shift for me, right? You're going from your parents spoiling you and pretty much giving you everything you want and allowing you to do whatever you want to do during your younger years to now they're asking you to come under their authority as an older teenager, right? And I'm looking at that going, okay, if I did that with my kids, if I started that with my kids at 17, uh, that's a recipe for trouble. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's right. And so I began to resist their authority. And my daddy, I will never forget this. He came into my bedroom one night and he knelt beside my bed and I will never forget what he said. He took my hands in his and with tears just streaming down his face He said, little girl, that's what he he never called me, Ginger. He always called me little girl. He said, I need to ask your forgiveness. He said, I have been a failure as a father because I have tried to win your love by giving you everything you ever wanted, but I've left out the most important thing, and that's Jesus Christ. It was such a defining moment in my life, and I will never forget it because in all my years, I had never seen my daddy cry. And to be honest with you, Heidi, I didn't like seeing him cry, and I didn't like the God who was making my daddy feel like a failure. And so I wrapped my arms around him, and I assured him that he had not been a failure, but that he had been the absolute best daddy in the world. And so as my parents started developing a closer relationship with the Lord, they found a verse in the Bible that they sort of adopted as our family theme. And that verse was Joshua 24, 15. Oh, no. Uh-huh, which says, as for me and my household, we will serve, serve the, Lord. the Lord. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so they had no intentions of compromising their newfound faith in God. And they so wanted me to share in that faith with them. So they began to tighten the reins. And, you know, they knew the kind of life that I was living. They knew that I was involved in underage and irresponsible drinking. And they had found evidence of what my boyfriend and I had been up to. 
And, you know, it's interesting because so many people think that teenagers rebel and make bad choices because of peer pressure. You know, probably with a lot of them, that's true. But I can tell you that with me, that was absolutely not the case. I was the peer pressure. I did exactly what I wanted to do, and I had a way of talking everybody else into doing what I wanted to do. I was always the ringleader and the life of the party. So <laughs> I can see that. You can. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a different kind of party now. Though. Yeah, yeah. You have so. a light in you, though. I think there's something in, and we see this in our kids, right? We see this in different kinds of our kids, those personalities. Some of them are born leaders, and some of them are born followers, and you're a born leader. Yep. Yeah. And so, but at the time I wasn't using that. Uh, That's for, right. For God's but glory. it's still there, right? It's still yeah. there. You've got, yeah. got you God, you know, make some of us leaders and just gives us all kind of different talents. So I was, yeah, I mean, I was a bossing around all the boys, even in the neighborhood. I was a very tomboy growing up and bossing. All the boys did everything I told them to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but back to my parents. So they knew here I am a teenager. They knew the kind of life that I was living, that I was headed for destruction. And they just couldn't convince me to surrender my life to Jesus. And so really all they knew to do was just try to protect me by laying down rules. And when I didn't comply with these new family rules for the first time in my life, my daddy enforced consequences. Oh, yep. And you were 17. Yep. Well, I'm 18 now. I'm 18 now. That is rough. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Yeah, first time. And so he took away my freedom and he took away my car. No, not the car. The car. So yeah, so suddenly he's not the best daddy in the world anymore. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I didn't like what was happening in our family, obviously. And so I actually left home my senior year of high school. You moved out? Like yep. you totally moved out. Yep. So as a high school student, I'm looking at my kids and if they moved out as a high school student, my house would not be a happy place. Mm-hmm. How yeah. did, what happened? How did your parents handle this? Yeah. So it was hard on all of us. I mean, I, I moved in with my best friend and her mom and sister and because I just thought, you know, my parents new way of living and thinking was ridiculous and I just wasn't going to live like that anymore. And yeah, dad, daddy likes to tell this story of when I was little and how I must have asked him a hundred questions a day. And he said that one day I was riding in his truck with him and pointing to everything in sight. You know, this is back when kids didn't have to wear seat belts. And so I'm standing up in his truck with my arms ar- around his neck to, so that I don't, you know, get thrown all over the truck. And he said I was pointing at everything in sight and, and asking, Daddy, what's that? What's that? And he said he was so worn out with my questions. That after about the 110th one, he said, little girl, I don't know. He said, I looked at him all wide eyed and slapped him on the shoulder and said, oh, daddy, you know everything. And he said, then when I became a teenager, I looked at him and said, uh, you don't know anything. That's right. <laughs> I think there's a lot of parents listening to this right now who can relate. Yeah. Right. You yep. had this really, you know, even in Christian homes, like, even if you've been raising your kids in a Christian home for a long, long time. There, it's not uncommon for your kids to reach an age and go, wait a second, you know, you don't know nothing. That's right. right? I think that yeah. happens what probably around and then the, and then we don't realize until we're about 40 that they actually knew a lot. Right, right. right. <laughs> I have a sign on our porch that says, oh, my goodness, my mother was right about everything. Right. <laughs> I think I was 40 when I bought it. 
<laughs> so, yeah, so I moved out at 18, got a job. Now, I did keep in touch with my parents, and they, of course, continued to encourage me to begin a relationship with Jesus, but I just kept resisting. And bottom line, I, I just didn't want to give up the things in my life that I thought were bringing me happiness, and I didn't want to follow a bunch of do's and don'ts and thou shalt nots. And that's pretty much what I thought Christianity was all about. But like I said, I thought it was just um, pretty much nothing more than a cult, like a sort of bondage to legalistic rules. But what I didn't realize is that bondage is when we habitually indulge in activities and thoughts and lifestyles that promise these great satisfactions, but really only wind up leaving us with just these shallow pleasures that quickly can lead to depression or guilt and regret. But the more I indulged in these things that I thought would bring me happiness, the more unhappy and empty I felt. That is the ultimate lie. Sin always promises what it can never deliver. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think what teenagers and even adults who are searching for satisfaction in all the wrong places don't realize, and what I didn't realize at the time, is that sin is enslaving, not satisfying. John 8.34 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. But the good news is that Jesus has paved the way to freedom. And I love two verses down. Um, it says, if the sun sets you free, then you are free indeed. And so true freedom is found in loving and obeying and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But like so many people, I didn't understand that. And so at first I rebelled. And it sounds like God's going to start to soften your heart. And, and I mean, obviously you're walking with the Lord now and you guys have been raising your children to walk with the Lord. How did this, how did it start? How did you know or begin to think, you know what, something's going on? Yeah, well, one thing I can say for certain is that one of the ways God softened my heart was through my parents I know they were praying for me, but also through their unwavering love for Jesus and their commitment to him. And you see, I knew that my parents loved me, Heidi, but I had watched my parents for three months put their love for Jesus above their desire to appease me. And because of that, I knew that he was real. And I knew that his love had to be more powerful than any love that I had ever known or experienced. And I think that's one reason why walking with Jesus and not compromising in our commitment to him is so powerful. It's because it shows other people how real he is. And so God used my parents obedient to him to ultimately convict my heart. And I think that's crucial for us as parents to understand our kids, especially our teens, won't respect our willingness to compromise our faith just to appease them or to avoid conflict. And so I'm so thankful that my parents, um, that they asked God for wisdom, and I'm thankful that they were obedient to act on that wisdom. And let me just tell you, that was, I mean, you're a mom, I'm a mom. That was a very hard thing for them to do. Looking back, I can just see what a struggle it was because during that time that I had left home as a high school student, they really struggled with letting me come back home and just living however I wanted to live because they missed me. We had, even before, you know, they became Christians, we were always a super, super close family. So the separation was devastating for all of us. And because it was so hard on them, especially with me still being in high school, there were so many times that they were tempted to pick up the phone and compromise and say, all right, you don't have to obey our rules. 
You can live however you want to live. We won't say one word. We just want you to come back home. But instead, they remain faithful to stand on the truth of God's word, and they put their trust in him to do a work in my heart. I hope you guys are enjoying this conversation with Ginger Hubbard. Tomorrow, we're going to get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of her testimony. And our goal here is that those of you who are listening would really lean into the power and the healing power of walking in right relationship with the Lord Jesus. Ginger's talking about her story, but the highlight is not the fact that Ginger rebelled against her parents. The highlight is that her parents trusted the Lord and they obeyed the Lord. And so she's going to come back tomorrow and we're going to pick this up where we left off. You guys do not want to miss it. You're going to be encouraged. In the meantime, I would just encourage you to follow Ginger Hubbard online, gingerhubbard.com and check out her new podcast. She's talking about parenting and you guys are really going to be encouraged. I want to thank you so much for listening today. We are so appreciative of your support for this podcast, of your financial support and all the many ways that you guys are coming alongside and helping us. If you're interested in finding out what I am doing, you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. Don't forget, I'm going to be in Nashville this weekend for Teach Them Diligently and also keynoting for the Answers for Women conference at the Ark Encounter in Hebron, Kentucky. We sure love you guys. We appreciate your prayers as my travel season kicks into high gear. I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of you out on the road and just encouraging you and loving on you and reminding you that you are exactly where God wants you right now, off the bench and onto the battlefield. Thanks for listening today, everybody. And I'll see you back here tomorrow for part two of my interview with my friend, Ginger Hubbard. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.